0: Oh, Mr. Go away. Hey guys, and welcome back to Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Waitley. And Marcus D. And welcome back, I would say, to part two, I guess, on our series (laughs) of Legendary Cities. Well, mine's more like Legendary Islands, but just so you guys know, we're going to do a Legendary Cities video But I had to, I got called into work and ended up working a day I didn't think I was going to. And I ended up not prepping. So this became a two-parter. Well, it wasn't even just that. It was just
1: like all of the stuff that we came up with, like all the information that we found. There was so much of it for all of these different like cities and islands and places that we had found
0: that it was just. It
1: was just going to be more than one episode
0: by the time we're done. Yeah, Yeah. last time we spent like the whole episode just talking about Zathura. Zazura. Zazura. Sorry. (laughs) Zazura. That's how you pronounce it. That's kind of a weird name. Yeah, I know. We're like terrible when we're trying to like pronounce stuff. Oh, and don't worry, guys. That's not going to get fixed this episode. No, we've got
1: plenty of things to mispronounce in this episode. So today we're going to be talking about High Brazil. But before we get into talking about High Brazil, kind of some, some paranormal news. Now I know with the coronavirus going around, a lot of people have gotten like quarantined or they've had to stay at home and they've had to figure out ways to entertain themselves. Like they've had to figure out like how to make do. Well, that's kind of put some people kind of in a very precarious situation, some interesting situation. Like I found this guy, it was so cool. His name is Brent Underwood. In 2018, Brent decided he just wanted to buy a haunted town. Okay, that's a cool thing to yeah, do. Yeah, I know, I know. You know, when you've got just so much money, you go, Hey, what am I going to do with it? No, yeah, I'm just going to buy a haunted town out in California. So Brent decides that he's going to buy Cerro Guro. I think that's how you pronounce it, out in California. It's about three hours outside of L.A. And he buys this in March... Ah. Uh, Buys it, I think in 2018 is when he buys this place, and he buys it for 1.4 million dollars.
0: Okay, that's an expensive purchase.
1: I know that's a lot of just extra money you got <laughs> lying around, just to want to just you know decide what to do with it. So, so Brent buys this town, and he hires this caretaker to care for the town, you know, because Brent's got other rich, you know, stuff to do, like most rich people do. He's got other stuff to do. So what happens is the coronavirus hits. And the caretaker has to go take care of his wife, like he needs. He needs to go, like, check on his wife and see how she's doing. So Brent says, hey, okay, whatever. I'll come out and I'll, and I'll cover for you for a little bit while you're out there." Well, then the stay-at-home order is and Brent gets stuck out in this haunted town, and he's still there, as far as I know. But wait, wait he—they won't let him go back home. Yeah, like he can't. Like he can't get anybody else to come out to to watch it and take care of it, so he's stuck there having to take care of his haunted town. Does it have the electricity and stuff like that? Yeah, like, he, he's hanging out, I think, in the richest person's town. I think, like, the mayor of the city's, like, old house that he has. So he's got everything he has except uh, running water. Like, it's the only thing he doesn't have. He has, like, internet, but, like, like really crap. Like, the step above dial-up, okay? Like, the step above dial-up. But he can't do stuff like watch Netflix. So he's, like, laughing, saying that he hasn't been able to watch
0: Tiger King yet. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I know. Okay, so he's stuck in a haunted town. Yes. I wonder if he's having any cool experiences. Well, it's not just any
1: kind of haunted town either. Like, it's this, uh, like, Short Girl was this um, old silver mining town back in, like, the early 1900s. And this this town was so crappy that law enforcement just decided, uh, we're just going to stop going. Oh, wow. <laughs> We just don't even care. So the place gets, like, so bad that, like, it averages a murder a week. God! In a town of only five thousand people. Oh God! <laughs> okay, so this gets so bad. Most of the miners in the town start sleeping with like heavy sandbags. Like they sleep like it's like, surrounded by heavy sandbags to catch stray bullets in the middle of the night. So like, as you're walking through the town, you can just see bullet holes literally everywhere in all of these buildings. Yeah, that sounds like a place yeah. they'd end up haunted. Yeah, and it's so dangerous. There's like parts of the mine where like, like dozens of miners got trapped, and they just couldn't do anything. They just left them down there, and their bodies are just down there in this mine.
0: So, uh, what's the guy's name again? Brent Underwood. So, how's Brent doing? Do we know? So, so um, like <laughs>
1: I saw this interview where they were talking to him and Brent. Like, it pretty much passes this time there by, uh, fixing up the town. But also, he's taking up, like, astrocartography. What? Yep. He's taking up astrocartography while he's out there. So, he's mapping the astral realm there? I, guess. I, I'm I not, guess. I'm not sure what that means. I don't know either. But he... So, this is what he's doing to pass the time. And, like, of course, it's, like it's haunted. Like, you have all this stuff going on. So, like, he's having to deal with ghosts and stuff. Like, out oh, they're by himself. Like, messing with him. Like, moving, like, his wallet and just knocking crap off the shelves while he's out there.
0: Okay, Brent... Stay strong, buddy. Mm -hmm. One candle's hearts go with you. I know.
1: Well, I'm kind of worried about him because he's kind of like laughing it off because he's having to deal with like not even just ghosts, but
0: like big creatures there as well. Like he keeps saying. You can't just say big creatures and leave that vague. Are we talking about T-Rexes or what what were we talking about? Not only
1: T-Rexes, but still bad. Like apparently like a bobcat keeps coming out and like sleeping on this porch.
0: Oh, that's not fun.
1: (laughs) Like by him. So he wakes up seeing bobcats all the time. And uh, also on top of that, while he's out there and he put this, and he, he, he shows uh, uh, this, this photo of it that, where he says he finds literally just this bare footprint out there. Because keep in mind, in March, it's snowing in the area that he's at. Mm-hmm. So the, like, he's having to deal with like, not only the type of ghosts but it's snow as well. So like, he, he, he's out there and he finds this footprint in the snow that he's convinced is a Bigfoot.
0: Oh, when you said bear footprint," I thought you meant the footprint of a bear.
1: No, 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 no. I mean like a like a footprint, like of like a person, like that stepped in this. So there's also Bigfoot. Out there's there. also he doesn't have to deal with Bigfoot.
0: <laughs> He's stuck in a ghost town, besieged by Bigfoot, and, and can't Katz, leave because yeah. of the quarantine. Mm-hmm. Oh man, just just survive, just just do your best, man. We <laughs> our our prayers go to you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's a cruddy yeah. situation. That is a quarantine story right and, there.
0: He still hasn't seen Tiger King. No, I, he I don't know yeah. what's worse here.
1: Yeah, he's got well he's got something waiting for him when he when he gets out. He's got something to He has do. something to live for, yeah, <laughs> something to look forward to when he when he when he gets out of being stuck in the haunted ghost town. Well, what would you do if you were in that situation? Uh, I what would I start doing? I would write a book. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Like I would first off, I would write a book and I I don't know, I would probably end up talking to the ghosts just to keep company cuz you he's—I don't know how he does it does go crazy. Cause he's like 30 miles from like the nearest town. Does he? He has a laptop in him, there, right? Yeah. I would just start making videos and stuff. Yeah, I am mean, being like, day two, of the haunted silver mines. <laughs> <laughs> that shit. Why is that chair moving? That chair should not be. Why is that shit? Like he's turning into like Will Smith from like I Am Legend, like freaking out when like cardboard cutouts <laughs> are moving. Oh
0: man. Hmm. What would you do if you were stuck out in a haunted? Oh ghost goodness, town? I would. I would probably start a journal, and I would just try to figure out everything paranormal going on there, and I'd start doing crazy paranormal experiments. God, God. because you guys know how much I love like talking about like haunted towns and stuff like that. It just sounds. God. We still need to get a hold of Justin and be like, "Hey, man, do you know any cool ghost towns for us to go and investigate?" Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So,
1: I say today, let, let's. Let's get into high Brazil finally. Oh, Let's, First, oh.
0: I got my black bag Oh tip yeah, of I day. almost forgot the black bag tip of the day. Okay guys, when those MIB come for you, knock them back with the power of Diet Dr. Pepper Cream Soda. Go, go, go. Mmm, Diet Dr. Pepper Cream Soda. Hashtag not sponsored, but maybe should be. No. Dude, this is <laughs> disgusting. This tastes like
1: a melted root beer float that got like left overnight. That you, like, drank because you, like, thought it was your new drink, and you go, oh, crap, it's that drink no, that no, I looked out from before. it's pretty
0: good. I actually like it. No, it's not. It is gross. I got three cases of this stuff because I love it. I'm offended you offered me this. Okay, it's been a point of contention in the One Candle studio for a while because I bought a bunch of these, and Marcus is always drinking my sodas. <laughs> you know, you can always bring your own damn sodas. You know that, man.
1: So my options are buy my own soda to drink this? Yeah. I'm going to drink this. <laughs> I'm drinking this.
0: I'm not <coughs> buying my own soda like a wild animal. Okay, okay. Let's get into High Brazil. Okay, yes. Oh, okay. Just some beginning basics on Hybrazil. A lot of people call it the uh, Ireland's Atlantis. It is a mystical island. It has all sorts of things, uh, different traits assigned to it. We'll get into them in a bit. But the big thing is there's a lot of hard facts surrounding Hybrazil, particularly since it's appeared on a ton of nautical maps. There's very little question on where this island was supposed to be. We pretty much know more or less exactly where. And there's a ton of information on it. So, I what's up? Until you said
1: that it was off Ireland, I really thought we were talking about South America. No, like no, Brazil, no. like in South America. Well, you
0: said that. That's what I was assuming. No, That's like, what I was assuming that it was like in South are, America. There's a little bit of contention, but formally the names are not connected. Um, this is even spelled differently, and this is named after, like, the mythical Celtic king who rules over all countries, and this was, like, his seat of power. But that's only one of the many myths involving high Brazil. But, let's get down into some of the hard facts, and guys, I have a big piece of paper here. Yeah, I know, he brought notes. So, just for the record, a lot of
1: times when we do these videos, like, Vic is doing this from, like, 95% memory, and he's got notes that I have not seen him put any effort into, except, like
0: his D&D campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> like, I normally don't like doing notes because I'm not great at reading off a piece of paper, so, well, you're going to get to see that firsthand. A lot of these names are going to be mispronounced, and I'm probably going to be a little stunty here, but okay. Hybrasil's first notation was in 1325 in a Genosian map by De La Toro, who is a fairly famous uh, cartographer from that time period, and he put it to the southwest of the Galway Bay, which is one of the major bays in Ireland. Next, it pops up in 1339, and the island was noted to be um, small, round, and with a singular channel running through it. And this is the first time we get an actual good description of what the island looks like. In 1480, it was noted to be southwest of Ireland, and that was noted on the the Catlin map. Uh, Several expeditions from Bristol... Were later launched in 1480, 1481, and 1497, specifically to find the find the exact location and map out Hy uh, Brazil, But it's a little vague historically on what they found. Although, on at least one of those expeditions, it was confirmed that they were able to locate the island. But is not really specific on if they actually got out and walked around and surveyed it or anything like that. It was noted in the Peirureus map. Of fifteen thirteen, and also on the Ortiz map and the Euro Macita map of uh, fifteen ninety five, which are both very famous historical maps of Europe. On a voyage in familiar waters in sixteen seventy four, Captain John Nesman became lost in a fo- in a uh, became lost in a fog bank, and when he came out, he found that his boat was very near to the shoreline and many rocks they weighed anchor and went to explore this island they found and they found out that like there were these large black rabbits there and they found an old man who was supposedly living in a castle by himself who gifted them with gold and silver and things like that and apparently had some very peculiar ways to him and was secretive but they weren't real specific on the details on what exactly that meant it was shown in the in the British Admiralty maps until eighteen or until the 1870s, but not long after that it seemed to just kind of disappear from the map records. Uh, not very many maps showed it after that. In 1872, T.J. Ressereau and Robert O'Flannery claimed to have visited the island on three separate occasions. From the reports I read, it seems that they just sighted the island, they didn't actually get off and walk around on it. On one of the journeys, Restorot bought his family with him, and the whole family claimed to have seen the island appear out of a fog bank, be visible for a few moments, and then disappear again. And on separate voyages, both St. Bernard and St. Brendan claimed to have gotten out and walked around on the island, and both of them gave remarkably similar accounts of what the island looked like, its size, its characteristics, and both of them proclaimed it to be a heaven on earth. And perhaps the most interesting one, on July 7th, 1878, re- remember those dates; they'll be important later, inhabitants of a town called Ballycotton spotted a never-before-seen island off their coastline. After watching it for some time, they were able to note fields, pastures, grazing, cattle, forests, things like that, and some men rode out to explore the island. But as they approached the island, it just faded away to fog, and they were were never actually able to get there. Um, But apparently hundreds of people uh, were involved in this sighting, and many people passed down the story of this account. So those are the hard facts we have on Brazil. Sorry about that long tirade there. So it sounds
1: like over the course of like 500 years, the only thing people can agree on is they don't know exactly where it is, and it
0: keeps popping up in different places. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of myths about Brazil, and there's some tricks to it, like... um, Apparently, it can only be found on the every seven years on the seventh month of the seventh day. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that pretty much matches up with the uh, Ballycotton case because it occurs in 1878. On July 7th, mm-hmm. which would be the seventh day of the seventh month, and we kind of have to just assume that that's an accurate year.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder whether or not if that's just, like, a weird coincidence where, like, it just happened on that day, and people just had to be like, there's absolutely, like, just, this, this has to be a thing, that it could only be found at this particular time because there's no way else that it could have been, like... Some Any thing, other time.
0: Some things make me think it might not. Because also remember, we mentioned High Brazil in um the Rindlesham Forest case. Right. Because it was listed in a list of um longitude and latitude and things like that. It was actually number seven on that list. That's actually kinda of, that's actually kind of weird. Yeah, there's definitely some odd stuff involving the number seven here. And there's a that's not even the beginning. So where where do you want to start? Because we so, have a lot we okay. can unpack. So the here.
1: difference between, say like like um what what we did what we did in the last episode we were talking about Azura and and high and high Brazil the big difference is, is high Brazil is not just one city
0: it's actually an island
1: yeah okay so what is actually rumored
0: to be on the island itself oh okay bu- buckle in there's a few of them um, like like I kind of alluded to earlier um, some believe that it's the court of the high of this mythical high king of Ireland this king that sets judgment over all other countries. Um, but that's far from the only one. It also can be analogous to, like, Avalon in England. Um, this misty realm where souls and heroes can be ferried to. And it's a realm of the Fey. And some people say, like, that is just literally the Fae realm. You can land there. You'll be in fairy. So it's like, it's like where, like, Arthur's buried? I mean, some people allude to that, that this is actually Avalon. And that was just the English word for high Brazil. Mm-hmm um so maybe maybe it's where arthur's buried you know it you know a a
1: lot of civilizations have stories about these mythical cities that are in different places but a lot of them they have similar they have similar characteristics like they're these cities of gold and things like that of these people maybe it moves you know maybe and maybe that's why that like you know you see all these different names of of this island from different cultures, but they have similar stories around it. There are a
0: few descriptions of the town, but they're kind of far between. One of the few consistent descriptions is that um, it has golden domes Mm-hmm. and that the people there are secretive, but very generous to people who come to visit them. I like this. My favorite story is definitely the
1: one <laughs> of the ship that lands there, and the guy said, we hopped off, and there's just this wizard surrounded
0: by large black rabbits. <laughs> In most translations, he's an old man, but I've, I've heard some people claim... <laughs> some of the versions of the telling claims that he is a wizard, although they don't say he does anything magic, so I think that's just some hyperbole on later writers.
1: How, how else do you explain how he got large amounts of gold
0: and silver that he could just give away with... N- Getting nothing in return. Okay, my theory is this. The people who do inhabit the island really want it kept secret, and they're just willing to give you piles of gold and silver as a bribe. No, I'm I'm really starting to
1: wonder if all of these mythical cities and places that are just places of gold are literally just how people, the story people make up to explain... That they went and did some piratey stuff and got all of this gold and got stuff. That's just their explanation. Where'd you get all this vast treasures and wealth? Uh, uh,
0: there was this uh, this island and there was this wizard and he gave us a bunch of gold. Actually, flip it. The inhabitants of High Brazil are pirates on a magical vanishing mist island. <laughs> that is the story I want to hear about. Although I I haven't found anything like that. But there are a lot of other rumors on what dwells on Hybrisil. That uh, there's this cast of incredibly holy monks that live there. Who've mastered like all these arcane secrets and technological secrets. Um, Another version of the story is that the people there are incredibly technologically and spiritually advanced. And they have flying chariots and things like that. Um, There's also that it's where the gods of old Ireland went. After, like, Christendom came. So, back, 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 that up, back, that up, back, that up, flying chariots. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> flying chariots is one of the things that's attributed to um, people having on High Brazil. And there's just that legend that it's kind of like this Atlantis-like city where um, people have this really advanced technology.
1: Oh, God. I've always, I've always just wondered if the cities that are out there that have, like, all this, like, vast more technology, if that's... It, like if they're out there, there's like these like these just hidden cities that are just so technologically advanced that they're hiding from us because we're we're like the less intelligent, like less civilized cultures that they're
0: studying or that they don't or that they don't want to inter- interfere with. Like like we are effectively talking about a cloaking island here. Like there's some sensibility to that theory that maybe they have this really advanced technology and like in that account from um, Bali where it just is an island that was never there before, and then when they went to um, to row out to it, they just flip back on the cloaking device and boop, it disappears again into the mist. Well, if you think about like
1: how we uh, how about how we deal with like um, like indigenous populations, like in certain countries, like oh gosh, I can't remember the name of that island off the coast of
0: India. Oh man, I'm, th- I'm thinking way more of National Lampoon's Vacation, where they approach is like, "Up, oh, roll them up." Oh, yeah, roll them <laughs> up. You know, well, like, but like, but with that,
1: like, we have, like most governments have a have a like policy and have a law of just non-interference. Like, you cannot go there because we don't want to impact like their culture in any sort of way um, and whatnot. And so. I'm wondering if that's what's going on, like in these, like in the on these islands and stuff like that, like the island of high Brazil. There's this more advanced technology with these flying ships, and they they're just told not to reveal themselves to us. Except every once in a while, they mess up. <laughs> you know, somebody accidentally finds it, and then all of a sudden, everybody's like, "Here's this gold. Just please go away. We're just nice. You know." We have, we, yeah, just, just take this and kind of forget you know where, where we're at. But that doesn't really make sense because then you'd
0: be like, why would you want to give people stuff because then they'd want to come back? Well, I all the stories say they're really secretive. I almost feel like they're like, okay, obviously you know where this is. You can tell people about it, but don't tell people where to find us and how you got here. And also, here's some gold and silver as encouragement. And I almost wonder if it's something along those lines.
1: Or, or I'd almost wonder, like... If places of, like, like high Brazil and stuff like that are just stories that, like, Irish people or, like, English people would tell, like, people, other people, like, in other countries, like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't read here. There's this mythical island of people with treasure. If we just sell way out here, just out of the ocean. Go, go, go. Up. Just keep going about 40 miles out.
0: But, man. You're good. It's, You're good. You're good. Like, people clearly believe that this was an island out there. I, it's on so many uh, maps. And these were major circulated maps throughout Europe. And, uh, people really believe that there is, at least the cartographers creating these, were pretty certain that there was an island that was supposed to be there. Mm. Oh, but yeah, uh, other theories on what what it is. Um, like, where the Irish gods went after Christendom came, because uh, the Tawatha de Dunan, like the old Irish gods, for the most part, weren't really these invisible spiritual beings that just kind of go up to heaven they're kind of in most sorts they're just like walking around on the planet with everybody <laughs> and when people would ask like okay so if they were around where what happened to them? like the answer is oh they went off to they went off to high Brazil <laughs> like they shut up like
1: uh, all these people were talking about Jesus. I'm not feeling comfortable anymore. Everybody bowed
0: their heads. I felt real uncomfortable, oh. so I just decided to leave. And there's <laughs> a lot of stories about, like, the um, the old gods of Ireland, the Tuatha de Dunant, like actually having encounters with early Christian missionaries and how they actually physically responded to them and things like that like you you can't really make it analogous to most cultures version of God where oh he's this invisible force he's like no these are like dudes that are walking <laughs> around out there and they have godlike powers like mm-hmm. it's almost more like how like the um, the uh, Hellen- uh, Hellenistic cultures would envision demigods. Mm -hmm. Where they have amazing powers, they're out there walking around, but they're actually somewhere physical on this plane. I'm just wondering if, like, maybe just the Christian missionaries just annoyed the piss out of them. So they're like, I just can't be here anymore. I just got to leave. I want to see. there's one about Lude where he kills a bunch of monks because they're pestering him. And by, by the time that story comes around, he's not even called Lude anymore. They changed their names a bunch of times in the course of uh, how the mythology evolved. But I want to see like, <laughs> some of the Christians, like, really, like, pester lewd and he, like, kills, I think, three... Uh, three monks who are trying to convert him. So they're just like, that's it. I'm packing up my toys. I'm going to this island. And I'm going to create my playhouse, and you can't come over. Kind of. You've got to stay of. at my treehouse. Let's see. Oh, another interesting one is that it's the isle that the dead go to find rest. And there's this uh, this legend about a island in France, where, or a town in France, where the people who inhabit that town, um, they had this tradition where every so often... They would hear knocks on their door in the middle of the night and the men would know what to do at that point because they had been taught by a passed-down tradition that at that point you get up and you go to the shoreline and when you get to the shoreline you will find uh, boats of unfamiliar make that no man could make and when you get into these boats even though it's just you in it it will feel heavily laden and will ride low in the water so as you pedal you'll feel like you'll you're pulling many passengers and as you uh, sail out to sea you'll hear murmurs that you cannot understand because men cannot understand the talk of the dead. And the idea is that the boat is just filled with ghosts. And you sail out to uh, this island, which is considered to be High Brazil. um, And you just pull up to the shoreline, and you will start feeling the boat get lighter. And as it gets lighter, you'll hear um, a voice saying... What's your name and where you where are you from? And then a voice responding and then that person just that person's weight just disappearing from the boat. And then when the boat is riding high in the water, you know it's time for you to turn around and go home. I really feel like if like if I was on one of those boats that actually
1: found this place and said, "What is that?" Mm-hmm. and one of those guys told me that story, I'd feel like like Timone from from like Lion King and he goes, "You met a bunch of dead guys or what?" <laughs> <did you that?"> <laughs>
0: <laughs> like he's just staring out at this island. First, I am not rolling, rowing an unfamiliar boat to a fairy island. I know the stories about fairies. They are going to kidnap you and you're never going to make it home. Like I would I would not be part of this tradition. Like you you guys can go row your crazy boats to Fairy Island.
1: I don't I don't know, man. Like it, a lot of people that get stuck on boats and you get the stories of cabin fever, it's a lot like people being stuck in their houses right now in quarantine. They're like just the very first sign of just anything to do, they're willing to rush. Like all those people down in Florida like the second the stay-at-home order got lifted, they all rushed to the beaches. Like <laughs> I'm just thinking if you're on a boat and you've been out there for weeks, so all of a sudden you see this island, you're like I like the Island of Fate, just, all right, hey, Mr. Faye, as they're just rowing to the the (laughs) boat, just anything at this point.
0: No, I I would not. When I'm out walking in the woods and I see a fairy circle, I step around it. And for those of you who don't know, a fairy circle is just a circle of mushrooms out in the woods. I don't walk through them because there's a lot of legends about the bad things that happen when you walk through Uh, those. And for me, if I'm on a boat and I see a
1: massive island and I say, what's that? Someone says, I don't know. I'm not getting off the boat. That's smart.
0: That's smart. That's, I'm doing okay. I'm like, I'm just going to, I trust this boat. Let's see, these last two are kind of post the Rindlesham Forest thing as far as the legend about this island, but since it's become associated with Rindlesham Forest, a lot of people have said it might be a bastion for aliens, but unfortunately, there's not a lot to talk talk about on it because basically people just go, maybe it's aliens, aliens. aliens. It's like the cop I'd answer, like, what
1: could be aliens? <laughs> like, that's the reason why you can't find it because they use their alien technology. They're using their
0: alien hoodoo to <laughs> invisibilize the island. And that's why you can't see it no more. And kind of the final one I found is that, um, and this is also associated with Rindles from Forest, that there are time travelers who traveled from the future back in time, and this has been like their time traveler base. It's their secret base they do all their time travel stuff from. So it's like... Like the sandals for time
1: travelers? Like just this this vacation spot for time travelers? Kinda. That's... Well, I think since it's like an island, it probably could be more than just one of these things. Maybe there's just, you know, wizards surrounded by giant
0: black rabbits on an island with, you know, time travelers and aliens. They say large black rabbits, and I I don't think they mean like buffalo-sized rabbits. I think they mean like... Like, they're big rabbits. Like, these are big, meaty rabbits. Okay, okay, okay. I'm
1: just seeing if it's if it's large enough to be included in the story, it's got to be big enough that it's got to be like,
0: alright, what was that? Okay, so I'm thinking at least the size of a dog. I mean, but also, like, species that get isolated out on islands, they do tend to get, like, much bigger or much smaller. Like, sizes change a lot when a species is isolated on an island. And rabbits are getting like a bit bigger, it makes some sense because they're not going to have as many natural predators. They just have to outgrow the few they have. Like when they, when I hear that story, I'm really thinking that's, like Radagast the
1: Brown, like from the Hobbit movies, like 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 those giant rabbits, and they just encounter this wandering wizard that's out, that has no reason for gold and silver here. Just take it, please. I just I don't need it. Just take it off. Just go away. I really think they're just talking about like like a big meat rabbit. I'm really no, I really no, I really think that they just wanted to just be fanciful they probably did some hinky stuff and just to explain where they got this
0: gold wizard did it okay what if i told you that there is a lot of evidence that high brazil actually did exist like physical evidence i'm not talking about maps and we can figure out where it is
1: i would say tell me more
0: okay okay Jada, people using satellite technology to scan the scan the Earth and look at like what lies below the surface of the water, mm-hmm. basically started looking at these old maps to try to find clues. And one of the other islands that disappeared, that used to appear on some of these maps, that was off the coast. I think it's called Dar. I can't remember the name of it offhand right now, but it has a very distinct shape. And so they started looking for for things in the clues on the maps. So a lot of people said located it to the west of Galway Bay. And along there, there's a thing called the Porcupine Ridge, and it's just this underwater shelf. So they start looking west of Gal- Galway Bay following the Porcupine Shelf because it, it's just not going to be past it. There's, no, there's nothing to prop it up past there. And they find an island that looks a lot like Dar, and they start kind of mapping it. It's like, yeah, this was probably above the surface at one point in time. So now that they know where Galway Bay is and they know where Dar is, they use that to figure out where would High Brazil be. So they start looking there, and sure enough, they find these two mounds that look like a circle that split down the middle by a channel. And that is the exact description of High brazil and it's pretty much right where High brazil should be based on those two points. But something that I just have a hard time wrapping my
1: mind around, and a lot of people do, when you, when you tell us these stories about these islands, most of the reason about why we're not there is because they were destroyed in a single night by like some sort of volcanic activity or a tsunami or whatever and most people say that it takes millions of years for tectonic activity to get to to get rid of and to
0: to change like the landmass like that doesn't it well not necessarily in this one there are a lot of signs that that region was wrecked by some um some geo- geological activity so there's a good chance that it could have been destroyed not in hundreds of years it probably wasn't overnight but it probably wasn't hundreds of years either. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know the exacts on it because they really haven't gotten super close and went to examine the area. But it does look like this is an area that's been wrecked by a lot of issues. I, it's kind of really close to the edge of uh, the Porcupine Ridge. And that is an area of really heavy ge- geological uh, movement and things like that. So there's a good chance it was just hit by a major earthquake and ended up collapsing um the they don't think it's sunk because they this was definitely an area that would have been above water um during the last ice age, but they don't think that that's when it was above water. They think it was likely more recently than that. yeah, but I thought that was really neat when I was doing the research where they're like, yeah, we are like ninety nine percent sure we know where this is. Well, and I think for a lot of people like you know, like in the past
1: a lot of storytellers and stuff like that, most ancient people, while again i'm not trying to not discredit them because they were far more advanced than what we give them credit for probably had a hard time understanding tectonic activity so if they're trying to explain why is a city not suddenly not there anymore they're probably the only thing in their mind that they could equate something that
0: could destroy a whole city would be a massive geological event or maybe just, i mean just maybe the island isn't really sunk it's either magical or technological, and it's just hanging out at the, the bottom for it's time to rise up again. It could be. Oh, it could be. Perhaps it's waiting for the stars to be right, to rise <laughs> from the oceans deep again, for those of you who are Lovecraft fans. <laughs> yeah, well, the problem is, is I don't want nothing
1: from a Lovecraftian world rising up again. I think that would be bad for us.
0: Oh, man, the stories of Hybrisil are way tamer than, like, the stories of Raleigh. Yeah. yeah, like, if I'm showing up to anything from, like, Raleigh, and it's like, here's the silver and gold. Go ahead and take it. I'm like... No Actually, no, that's a really common th- common theme in, like, the stories of the second season Lovecraft world, too, that they have all this gold and shit to kind of pay you off with. And it doesn't bode well for most of
1: the characters in
0: Lovecraftian's work now, does it? No, no. <laughs> no. It is, it, most of his stories do not end well. And before anyone tries to call me out on it's Roya not Rolier, Lovecraft specifically said, I don't give proper pronunciations for my words because that makes them sound less alien. Pretty much every pronunciation is going to be correct. Uh... I'm thinking we ne- we should definitely
1: be not getting up the more important fact of don't be taking gold from strangers and people you don't know.
0: Yeah, truthfully, okay. Say you are, I don't know why you'd be in a boat. But not, I don't want to be in a boat. <laughs> if you somehow end up lost and missed and end up on this island with this nice old man trying to give you yeah. gold and silver, what do you do? Uh, I say no. Yeah, I'm kind of tempted to do the same. On one hand, you might get free gold and silver, but I feel like you're... Entering into some sort of Faustian bargain, because for the, for the most part, like just in case they're fae, I don't want to take a gift from the fae.
1: Like no one, like no one, just <clears throat> it just doesn't like it doesn't make sense for someone to just be walking out handing you all of these like just treasures and stuff for absolutely no reason. Like there has to be
0: something that they want. Like, I don't know if it's, like, food and drink where if you end up taking any of it, they now own you. But I'm pretty sure when it comes to anything involving fae and fairies, there's a trick to it. There's some sort of angle to it. And I just would not want to get involved with but it. But
1: that's why I always have one of, like, okay, so when it comes to many of these, like, mythological cities and stuff like that, and these stories of these people offering these great treasure and wealth, many of these places want to stay hidden. Hi, Brazil seems like a place that, no matter what story you tell, whether it's aliens, time travelers, King Arthur's little tomb, Eden on Earth. Eden. These are not places that people want to be found. Like they want to be isolated. So why would you be giving treasures and stuff as a reason for people to come back? And I get, and I get, I get the whole thing of you're trying to pay for silence, but there's no way. Like they just.
0: That just tells the story. There is this rich stuff. The other possibility that I thought of would be that it's kind of tied in with their culture. They're they're isolative. They're secretive, but they're also very auspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very generous. Yeah, just like, yeah. It's like Mansa Musa. Like like yeah. we were talking about in the last episode, where he would just give gold just because he had
1: so much. Like it's no big deal to give the rich, the richest man of the world, just hand out thousands of dollars to people because it means very little to him.
0: Yeah, I, I almost wonder if it's something along those lines. But ultimately, I'm not really sure on a great reason on the why. But, but again, Mansa Musa
1: was a guy who was trying to bring attention to Timbuktu. This is a guy who was trying to put it on yeah. the map for his travels. That's why he was doing some of that to show that, that he is this great king. These people don't seem to want to be found. So that's why I'm having this issue of why are they being so generous? And anybody who has any... Answers to that, please put those in the comments below because I
0: I am kind of hung up on that. Many ancient cultures had a version of the law of hospitality that if someone came to visit you or came as a guest you have to give them something. And in most of them, you have to give them something really nice. Like if you're a peasant and you're trying to uh, to honor the law of hospitality, you're going to sleep on the floor. You're going to give them your bed. You're going to give, if you have any meat, no matter what you're storing it for, you give it to them. But like there are plenty of stories in the ancient world where just people visiting the law of hospitality because you're a nobleman is you give them gold. You give them silver in... Well, I, I guess also the fact, too, if it's a place that where
1: you know that it's not going to be here tomorrow, then maybe you just don't care
0: because they're not going to be able to find it again. Also, take it back to Masamunda. Um, one of the biggest books written on on him that that's from his time period or a few generations after his time period comes from a pilgrim that's traveling to Timbuktu because he's heard about how much money they'll just give you as a guest because mm-hmm. if you go there as a guest and because ac- according to the guy writing the book i think he was um moroccan i'm not 100 percent sure on that but he's like okay if i go there as a guest and tell them i'm on a pilgrimage they will just give me tons and tons of gold so he gets there and he's super surprised that they're not giving him all this <laughs> yeah, gold i was waiting to finish stuff like i'm pretty sure he gets he gets stiffed yeah he, he gets like some yogurt and dates and stuff But <laughs> like then he's like the the hell's going on
1: here that's because all the monster booths like children after him were like not as good as him. Oh yeah, yeah, by
0: that point like they were running out of gold so yes. they had stopped doing that tradition. But like in lots and lots of parts of the ancient world there is this big emphasis on the law of hospitality and like how you treat your guests and what you give your guests. Like hell um, like one of these stories that's the origin for the werewolf myth, the story of King Lycon, are you familiar with it? No. It is a Hellenistic, cautionistic tale about Don't what happens werewolves. when you well, well, this is more of like the origin story of the first, like, uh, the okay. first werewolf. This is where we get the term Lycan lichen or Lycanthrope lichen from. Okay. So there's this this king named Lycan. He he abuses the law of hospitality, and the gods are so mad at him, they turn him into the first werewolf. There's a lot more to that story, but the thing is, like, we're going to be... I can, t- I can tell you the a story from the top of my head, but truthfully it's going to be a long one it's not a short story so is this what so like he takes advantage of hospitality just so much they turn him into a werewolf no 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 he he abuses the law of hospitality by eating one of his guests oh by eating one of his guests so they turn him into a uh, they turn him into a
1: werewolf is this why you give me so much soda every time I come over here for fear of turning into a werewolf hell yeah I don't want to be a werewolf (laughs) Especially those werewolves. Those werewolves are kind of doesn't pan out well. Doesn't, <laughs> no, no. Doesn't pan out well. Actually, most people they turn into werewolves. It doesn't pan out well. I mean, for it's them.
0: not cool, modern, sexy werewolf they turn
1: into. They turn into like slobbery, uncontrolled yeah, beasts. It's, it's not like underworld where you're going to be like you know, you know, hey you know, baby, yeah, I'm yeah. a werewolf. You know, like hanging out with like really sexy vampires and stuff. No, it it just it turns out bad for you. But yeah, and that's one of the early stories of werewolves too like I actually really like the story of King Lycon, but again in a, but again in a lot of those again you're you're having again those cultures are not trying to hide
0: from the world or are not trying to necessarily
1: hide from the world
0: it, it still doesn't matter it was just this incredibly sacred law like a, another example um in the Iliad um there's a point where I think it's Hector is about to battle the Achaeans um and he realizes hey there's this guy here that was a guest of my grandfather's. Like a hundred years ago. And he goes to that guy and go, you have to leave the battlefield now just so I don't accidentally hurt you mm-hmm. because of the law of hospitality because that would be like a great, dis- a great violation even though this guy had never been Hector's guest but he had been the guest of his... Gr- or his grandfather was the guest of Hector's grandfather. Wow. Like this was really, really, really big deal in the ancient world. So I'm going to pose a theory to you. So what if the
1: reason about why this uh, island cannot be found Is not so much that it can be
0: cloaked, but that it can be moved. I actually like that, and here's why. Um, On on that one place that I saw them, uh, let me look at my notes real quick. It is Ballycotton. Ballycotton would not naturally be close enough to where the island was supposed to be to see it. Right. That was an oddity right there. And I kind of like the idea that it can move. Because if
1: you think about most cultures... And, I mean, we're getting into this in extended segment, too. Almost, like, m- every major culture has its, this lost island mythos in its culture. Like, in its legend that's out there. And maybe that would explain why you're seeing different inhabitants on this island. Because as it's moving, it's being affected by the cultures that it's encountering. Yep. That's why you're seeing aliens in some stories. That's why you're seeing random wizard with giant rabbits surrounded by him in some stories, great kings in some stories, something like that.
0: What's your favorite um, version of the story? What what if if it's something? What do you want it to be? Uh, the home of
1: Arthur of King Arthur. I think that is. I, I I like the idea of this story of this sleeping king that that one day will come back when his time, like when like when Britain's
0: time is need, like or when the Earth's time, like is is a, is in need. Okay, before we get into mine. Idea for a future show. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of stories about great heroes that are off, like sleeping and stuff like that. They're supposed to uh, rise back up when the apocalypse occurs. Do you want to do a show on like great That's, heroes that, that are going to show be, up oh, at would, the apocalypse? That would be, that would
1: be so cool because there's religious, the, there's the religious one, there's great kings, all oh, this. Oh yeah, so awesome. some of my
0: favorite heroes get worked into those motifs, and I would mm-hmm. love to talk about it. But. I actually really like the idea that this is where the gods of Ireland went to hide from Christianity. <laughs> I just thought that was just such a neat idea. Because, like, their gods are, like, they're such physical beings. Like, it wouldn't be like, oh, they just returned to heaven. It would be like, they would literally just go somewhere to get away from something they didn't want to be around. They're just like, I'm just so tired of these guys. They're such nerds. Yeah, like, like, I'm just leaving. Like, they
1: keep throwing the holy water at me and reading from their book. I'm just, that's it. I'm leaving.
0: Like I, I just based on how the mythology flows, like I could buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the Tuatha Dé Danann were ever real, but if they were, that is exactly how they would respond to this situation. <laughs> okay. well, that's how I would respond. I think. if you don't like your neighborhood? What do you do? You move. You I, go I somewhere know, else. I know the segment's getting fairly long, but there's one more thing I want to throw out there, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. kind of a conspiracy theory that goes along with High Brazil. Okay. So, High Brazil is this nearly perfectly round island with a singular channel separating it. Yes. You brought up South America earlier. Yeah. Uh, think about the South American country, Brazil. Yeah. What does the flag look like? So,
1: it's uh, it's a green rectangle with, like I think, a yellow diamond in it. And then yep. there's this blue.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, it's yeah, it's this perfectly round blue ball with a nice guy on it with oh a line God. going through it. And the thing is, there's not one consensus on where Brazil's name came from. It's actually a point of contention and a bit of a mystery. That's so weird. Yeah, and the country actually was not originally named Brazil, but it ended up changing its name around the same time. High Brazil started disappearing from maps. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, no, it's very odd. I I don't have in I don't have an angle on this conspiracy. But I just, I did not want to end the podcast before I at least had a chance to throw it out there. It's, it's it, like, it's one of those things, like, you, you don't know why it's there, but it's, it's kind of weird. It's like, I, why, I, why is that a thing? I feel like there has to be a connection somewhere here, but I couldn't tell you where. <coughs> okay, I talked a lot of this, and my throat's starting to get sore. Know, we, right. we about ready?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's pretty good. So, yeah, definitely leave your guys' thoughts on, on what you guys think. Uh, and definitely in the comments below. Also, if you guys definitely if you guys like this episode, don't forget to make sure you guys leave us a leave us a review on wherever you guys are list, uh, listening to this at. It definitely helps the podcast by doing it. Uh, make sure you definitely subscribe, hit the notification bell if you're listening to this on YouTube or, or you know or, or for for wherever to make sure that you guys can get updated whenever we put up more content. Because our plan is to release a video every week, an episode every week, uh, while all this craziness is going on. Also, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and super big thank you to our patrons. Absolutely. It's it's because of you guys that we can do this uh, every week, so we thank you guys so much.
0: But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. Okay, so where are we getting into in our pillow talk segment? So, I know in the last episode,
1: remember when, when I was talking about like mythological cities like El Dorado and Atlantis, and I said we wouldn't really be covering them? Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, it's just it's too easy, and they're too widely known. We we'll try to bring some stuff that maybe people don't know about. But have you ever heard of the Japanese Atlantis? Yes, I've actually oh, yes. found it very interesting. Yes. I've heard a lot of really contentious stuff about the place, yeah, too. Yeah, and I thought that would be definitely a good thing to talk about, because not a lot of people know about them. So they're called the... Officially, they're called the Yonanguni Formations. I know I just butchered that. I apologize. I think Is it Onagumi It might be how to pronounce it, but so how they were found was in, in 1986, apparently there was this really famous, um, underwater diving spot way Southwest of Japan, like way down Southwest. Like there was this big underwater diving spot where people would go to swim with, a hammerhead sharks. That sounds awesome. That sounds horrifying. Dude, hammerhead sharks are beautiful. No, hammerhead sharks are a great thing to watch on Shark Week. They're cool to watch in aquariums. Me going out to dive with them? Hell to the no. Well,
0: the things you can't really keep them in aquariums, you got to you got to go see them in the wild. I'll watch them on Shark Week then. Okay. <laughs> they eat people. Yes, they eat people, but they're so beautiful. They eat
1: people. They school. They look like they're that ravenous hillbillies of sharks. <laughs> Their teeth go, go in random different directions. <clears throat> They're like if you gave a shark meth. <laughs> like, that's what they turn into. I don't care. I would still love to do this. They turn into in deformed, rabbited tooth, going in <laughs> random, random, random
0: places. <laughs> you know into-